Amen. God is good. Amen. You guys may be seated. Thank you. Ed Heyer is one of the pastors here at Shiloh. And how many people have heard that song before? How many people know all the words? I think it was 20 of them. <laughs> all right. So a couple interesting facts about that song. It was written in 1967 by Paul McCartney and John Lennon. John Lennon actually sang it, although they dubbed his voice in this, in, when they first played it, which was really interesting. Anyway, it was written for something unique. It was called a one-world concert, six hours long, 25 countries, six continents, the first time that a concert had ever been played across the entire world, or most of the entire world. So very interesting, very interesting. Uh, and how they came up with that song is they, they were asked, all the artists were asked to play a song that could be understood in all the different languages. Different languages, some words do not translate well. And the Beatles picked the word love because every country knows how to interpret that. So that was the genesis of the song. And by the way, if you wonder what that opening part was, that is the French national anthem, which makes no sense to me because they're British. They were famous in the U.S. by that point, but anyway, they played that. Now, I've told this story before, but today you're going to get a little more insight into it. So, we go back to 1964. They are on the Ed Sullivan Show. How many people here do not know Ed Sullivan? Oh, yeah, come on. There you go. All right, that's good. So, Ed Sullivan was a very popular show that had artists on it, comedians, all that kind of stuff. And so, lo and behold, six months later, they come to my hometown, Atlantic City, New Jersey. We have a, a, a picture of the ticket that was actually one that you could have had to go to this concert. Notice it cost, I think, $3.90. All right? That was pretty good. 18,000 screaming teenagers. All right? So many, they were afraid they would mob them and mob the car, so they brought them to the concert in a fish truck. They assumed people were just coming in to sell fish at the concert, and they left in a laundry truck so they could survive the, the event. Now, 
not only that, but where do you see this? I mean, this kid is really handsome. Come on. <laughs> little Eddie, little Eddie. Don't ever call me Eddie. <laughs> ever. All right, so why am I showing you a picture of myself? Realize what a nerd I was in a shirt and tie at that age. All right, so the reason I'm showing you that is you notice my hair had a little wave in the front, okay? And, and if you touch my hair, it was rock solid. It was Benito was the name, it was yellow, and it made it just, it never moved. And why do I tell you that? Because I get that hair from Leo the Barber. Remember I mentioned this, Leo the Barber, and guess what Leo got the chance to do? He cut the Beatles' hair when they came to Atlantic City, New Jersey. My friends were so jealous that I had Leo the Barber as my barber. Yeah. And I said to Leo, when I first went, where's the hair? He threw it out. Leo missed a lot of money right then. So, after all that non-essential information that you probably won't remember in another 20 minutes, we now begin our new series. And guess what the title is? Oh, a little, little quick on that one, Luke. A little quick. All right. All you need is love. And the message today, when in doubt, act it out. So when you get saved, one of the things that happens when you get saved is you become aware of the fact that God loves you. That's, it's very important. Sometimes people struggle with that because of where they're at when they get saved. But it's important we learn that. We don't earn his love. It doesn't matter how bad we were before that moment that we accept Christ as our Savior. It is just a critical issue to realize God loves us. If you've ever heard of Martin Luther, uh, he started what came to be known as the Reformation. Some call it the Protestant Reformation. And Martin Luther was radical at that time because he said to the then, what was considered the Catholic Church, he said, no. It's not about fasting and, and you know, silence and, and going to mass and doing all these type of things. He said salvation, going to heaven, knowing God is all about faith and grace. And that made a lot of people very angry because they lived by having all these rules and regulations. See, we learn early on as Christians that we can't earn, we can't earn our way to God. God went so far as to send his only son to die for you and I. We know that. Imagine, though, that kind of love. When God sends the most, the closest, the most intimate relationship he has, literally a part of him, he sends that relationship, Jesus, to be beaten literally within an inch of his life and to be murdered. He does that because he loves us. He did that so he could have a relationship with you. That's what it cost him. The Apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Ephesians. He says this, I pray that Christ will make his home in your hearts. What? Through faith. I pray that you may have your roots and foundation in love so that you, together with all of God's people, may have the power to understand how broad, how long, how deep, how high, how high, how deep is Christ's love. Yes, may you come to know his love, although it can never be fully known, and so be completely filled 
with the very nature of God, that very nature being love. And 1 John, John says this, this is love, that not, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for your sins, for my sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. As we go into this series on love, we're going to be using 1 Corinthians 13 as our text. This is a portion of scripture that if you've been to one or more weddings, chances are you've heard this this chapter. It's called the love chapter. It's also in greeting cards, bumper stickers, um, plaques. You get the idea, I think, that this is a very common set of scriptures. And in that lies the problem. Familiarity. We get so familiar that we miss the fact that I would tell you that I believe this is one of the most important chapters in the entire Bible and some of the most important verses are in this. See, these verses take that definition of exactly who God is because God is love, right? When we know he's loving, adjective, but we also know The word says he is literally love itself, which is a noun. Paul goes on to tell us how God defines love. That's what we're going to see in this chapter. He talks about the attributes of what it looks like to love. So this is love God's way. See, Paul writing through the anointing or the leading of the Holy Spirit, he says that there are three attributes that you and I uh, have the attribute of faith, of hope, and of love. But then he says something really shocking in 1 Corinthians 13. So let's look at that. And now there remain faith, abiding trust in God and his promises, hope, confident expectation of eternal salvation, love, unselfish love for others growing out of God's love for me. These three, the choicest graces, but the greatest of these is love. See, Paul says this is the thing that trumps everything else as we truly walk with Jesus and with God our Father. So I want to pull two excerpts from those two because it's going to lay again the foundation of where we're going with this series. It says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another from 1 Corinthians 13, love, unselfish love for others, growing out of God's love for me. See, the Bible is very clear that as children of God, we're to take this same unconditional love and we're to show it to other individuals. But, but here's the confusing thing. And this is what, again, this series will point out, that the world has a much different definition of love. For example, Miriam's dictionary, the most popular dictionary in the world that people go to to look up specific definitions says this, a feeling of strong or constant affection for a person. Another, the second key definition, attraction that includes sexual desire, the strong affection felt by people who have a romantic relationship. See, there are two words in these two definitions I want to call out because they are actually the opposite of God's definition. And those two words are feeling 
and attraction. See, neither of these are truly definitions of love. In fact, they hinder our actual understanding of this word love, and also they hinder us experiencing what God declares is love. Now, they say a picture is worth a thousand words, all right? So this is a video. It must be worth 10,000 words. So what I want you to see is a, is a, a very um, intimate understanding of this whole issue of natural love because it looks so good. It feels so right. So let's have this, uh, this wonderful, wonderful clip. I'm in love. I'm in love. And I don't care who knows it. That was pretty quick. Can you play that again, Lucas? This is important. I'm in love. I'm in love. And I don't care who knows it. Give me a minute. So, who knows where that's from? And who knows his name? Buddy! Come on. You see, that's what so many of us think love is. And clearly, that's a portion of love. It it doesn't mean there can be no emotion in love. But we're surrounded by all these influences of what it means to love. You don't realize it, but even as Christians, we buy into this. We buy into this is a core definition of love, this feeling, this feeling that, that we're in love, that we're out of love, fallen out of love. And I played a song at the beginning that was, that was a, a song that had love in it. Do you, can you even imagine how many songs have the word love in them? I mean, I wrote down a few. Can't help falling in love. I want to know what love is. Stupid love. Come on, Lady Gaga. Endless love. Love me tender. I will always love you. Love story. She loves you. All these and many, many more. And all of these are about the feelings and the attractions that go on with love. But true love that continues and is constant is not about emotion. It's about one word. It's about actions. Actions. That's what it is. I think I have it. Oh, yeah. Love is always a choice. Love is always a choice. And many times, many times, not motivated by feeling. You know, for those of you who have been married for a lengthy period of time, let's say 90 days, right? (laughs) Yeah. Can you actually say, that every minute or every day you would say that you have this emotional, loving feeling for your spouse? The answer is no. The answer is no. And if you say yes, then God bless you. All right? Don't you, haven't you come up with something that you tolerate about your spouse because you just don't want to deal with it, but it's something that bugs you? You've just chosen to go along with it? Okay, so I'll give you an example. Recently, last week, we're riding down the road. It was nighttime, and I am excited about something. I'm talking to my wife about this new weather station I bought. And I come up with this genius idea how, about how to put it outside in the winter, because it has to be mounted in a pole in the ground. Anyway, I'm very excited about this. I'm talking to her, and all of a sudden she says, Ed, stop sign! Oh, So I screeched to a stop, and I didn't go out into the intersection. So I'm embarrassed at this. I never do stuff like this. And my wife decides to tell me just how dumb that really was. 
It just so happens that literally 100 yards ahead is another stop sign. As we get closer to the stop sign, I accelerate. And I keep talking about my weather station. She immediately screams, Ed, another stop! And I had already stopped. She is very upset with me, knowing that I did that on purpose just to scare her to death. So I immediately try to keep talking. That didn't work. Then I said, I'm sorry. That didn't work. But in about another three minutes, my wife makes a decision. She makes a decision to let it go. And she starts talking to me, calmly, caring. And I just said, wow, I could not have done that. You see, that love, is, is, it wasn't based on feeling. I mean, she was ticked at me. But she made a decision to act lovingly to me. And that really was more condemning to me than anything else she could have done. And, and that's, the, that's the kind of love. It's not emotionally based. You see, everything for love comes down to actions. See, God has always loved his creation. But that wasn't enough to overcome sin and to do what God knew he needed to do to be able to have a relationship with us. His love had to be expressed with action because it was a true love and it was to be an effective love. You see, you will not always feel God's love. I'm just, you know, if you say you always feel God's love, again, God bless you, but you won't. But our faith in God's love is in this single action that he did. It's by faith in that. But in addition to knowing that God loves you and loves me, Jesus said that we're to love others as he loved us, and he loved us by actions. But what does that really mean? What does it look like for us to love others? We're going to be looking at at chapter 13 because we're going to find out what that looks like because it's really, really exciting to see what it looks like. Now, in order to understand chapter 13 in Corinthians, you have to also understand where it comes from. What is motivating Paul to write all this stuff about love? And it's in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. The church in Corinth, they had lots of issues. But now this issue that Paul's addressing is that they are fighting and bickering and doing all kinds of you know, divisive things because of the gifts of the Spirit, believe it or not. Okay, they're arguing over these gifts, which is more important, which isn't more important. When do you do one? When do you do another? They want to pray in in foreign languages all the time. And what Paul says is, you guys and gals are making it so that when unbelievers come in to your gatherings, they are driven out by the tension and all the arguing and everything going on. And, And that is unacceptable. So he goes on to talk about what does it mean to love each other? That was an important thing. So let's, let's look at uh, chapter 13, and let's look at the first uh, three verses. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, 
but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could literally move a mountain, but if I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, you know, I could boast about that. I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others by doing all that, I would have gained nothing. So to be clear, if you or I don't love others, Paul says, I'm nothing. And with everything I've done, whatever you've done, I would have gained nothing. It's a tough statement. But here is a critical element of understanding God's command to love others. There are no specific others. It's not like we can define love and what it looks like to love others, but we can't define others. So here's my definition of others. Others are people that God puts in your path, sends into your life. Those are the others that God is talking about. And you know, others can be very close to us. And I will tell you something. Some of the hardest people to love are family. I hear an amen? Yeah, see, I knew it. Because why? Because they're close to us. Because they, when they hurt us, it really hurts. When they disappoint us, it really disappoints us. When they mess up, we see it close and, and you know, right up close. But then there are also people that are not family, we're not close to, and they cross our path. And God says, we are to love them. See, you may not have an emotional connect to them when you first meet them. Let me define emotional connect. You don't like who they are or what they did. (laughs) And you have driven, and not only that, you've decided I'm going to avoid them. And see, that is not an example of God's way of loving because that's an emotional response. You don't know them. You haven't had a real exposure to them. You know, it's, it's funny. This is something I've learned. Sometimes when I have someone that bugs me, but they're in my path, I want to hear their story. I want to hear there's certain groups of people that I categorize as ones that I really don't identify with and, and I don't share their, their moral beliefs or you know, religious beliefs. But you know, I, 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 I sit down and I listen to their story. I may still disagree with them when we're all done, but I've, I've learned that when I listen to those stories, my heart has changed in so many ways. You see, to help us know how to love those others, God has given us specific traits, specific things we can do in order to express love, even if the emotion's not there. And for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at those. We're going to be discussing those. We're going to be reasoning about those. And we're going to look at what loving can look like. Now, this is important to me. I I don't like it when people preach what I call a negative or condemning style. So this isn't about what you should do. It's about what you can do. You see, loving others the way God calls us to love is a privilege. 
and it really works. It's not a chore. It's not meant to be a chore or a weight. We learn this as we learn to love others God's way. This is not going to be us showing you where you fall short. It's going to be us showing you what you can do and the great, great blessing that that brings. You see, when God showed me his love, you know, a love that would cause me to accept him as my personal Lord and Savior, a decision that literally changed my life overnight. I know that doesn't always happen, but for me, it happened. I was down, out, life was over, suicidal, you know, drinking more than I ever should drink, about to be divorced, and overnight, God changed that. But here's how he did that. He brought a man into my life, a man that believed in me when I didn't believe in myself at all. A man who loved me when I didn't love myself at all. I considered myself pretty much messed up. And his love stuck with me for a couple years. A couple years when others said, you're wasting your time. He's not worth it. See, that love was how I learned about God's love because I was one of Jack Hartman's others. I was someone that he was willing to love me like 1 Corinthians 13 says, we're to be loved. I know he did that at times when it was a tough go for him. But that was my change in my life. And it wasn't God's direct love, right? It was his love, but it was coming through a human being. You know, the first attribute is love is patient. We live in a world that is not very patient. When our computer hesitates for two seconds, it's like, oh my gosh. Right? I mean, kids today, they're so used to being entertained on TV where everything changes every 30 seconds that they go to a classroom And you hear this, it's so boring, Dad. We live in that instant world, but but Jack Hartman was patient with me. He was kind to me. So this series is meant to let us understand more deeply what God allows us to do. And I got to tell you something. I hope, I pray that in a small way, I have taken what I learned from my mentor and that I've brought that love into other people's lives, that I've been patient and kind to those that God has put in my path. And I've been blessed to see some of the results of that when they too walk into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe this series will be a very, very good series for us because I believe a church that knows how to love in many ways will step up a notch or two. And some of the others in your life that, that you maybe haven't known how to deal with, and maybe you haven't wanted to deal with, that you'll have a whole new perspective. You know, the Bible says who God sets free is free indeed. Well, I will tell you one of the things that sets you free and me free is the love of a God that loves us unconditionally. But I'll tell you what else sets us free is our ability to love others as God calls us to love. Let's pray. 
Father, Lord, I thank you that you have given us this ability to love others and you've given us such great insight to what it looks like. And Lord, I pray as we take this chapter that is so well known that your anointing will fall on us and we will see things that we've never seen before. That Lord, we can do this. And as we do it, Lord, your kingdom is expanded like like no other way when we use this love. Father, help us to not only listen with our natural ears, but to listen with our spiritual ears. Let this sink into our heart. Father, the, the word says that love is the very nature of who you are. Jesus said, love others as I have loved you. That love resulted in the greatest action ever in the history of mankind. Father, help us to learn that love is an action. It's a choice. Help us, Lord, to realize we can do this. And I thank you for that, Father. I thank you for the freedom of loving as we are loved in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you for any reason. But uh, have a great Sunday. And uh, for most of us, no more football. All right. God bless you all.